Welcome to the Sex Magic Podcast, where we explore the connections between sexuality and spirituality, the various cultures and traditions of sex magic, and conversations about everything in between, led by a coven of curious modern witches. If you'd like to follow us on social media, our Instagram is Sex Magic Podcast, our website is sexmagicpodcast.com, and if you want to send us an email, sexmagicpodcast at gmail.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible, a truly magical way to experience your favorite books through oral tradition and storytelling. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash sexmagicpodcast. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash sexmagicpodcast for your free audiobook. Today you have your host, me, Isabella Frappier, and we have a beautiful guest joining us today. I am so excited to talk to her. Vanessa Jeffrod is a passionate health educator residing in West Baltimore. Vanessa trains and educates children, young adults, parents, and community groups around sexual health topics such as consent and boundaries, sexually transmitted infection prevention, contraception methods, teen pregnancy and abortion stigma, healthy relationships, and LGBTQ inclusion. Vanessa is also the founder of Vag Esteem, a workshop series <laughs> and podcast encouraging good and healthy sex through courageous conversations about love, sex, and everything in between. Vanessa, what a bio. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Thank you for having me. And I really... I really appreciate all of that. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. My pleasure. I'm so excited to talk to you. I just have a million questions. I want to hear everything. You are such (laughs) an interesting and inspiring person. And I so appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you. I love the work that, that you and your team are doing. So thank you for having me again on this wonderful platform. Uh, our pleasure from all of us. I know this is going to be an <laughs> awesome episode. It's so funny. Sometimes we have guests where like during an interview, I'm just thinking to myself, I can't wait to listen to this back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love it. And I can't wait to, I can't wait to share this too. So this Yay. is great. So Vanessa, can you tell our listeners just kind of a little bit about yourself and how I'm really curious, like how you came to this work? Yeah. Um, so just a little bit about me. Like, I think you covered all of it. I am a sexual health educator. A lot of my a lot of what I do and a lot of my everyday is basically going out into communities. And I like to say that I educate across the lifespan. So I, you know, teach people. I like to say that I just, you know, help people have courageous conversations all around with, of course, mostly my focus being on um, on Black women, women of color, and just really fostering these um, relationships. So I grew up in a uh, Haitian immigrant household. So both of my parents are from the beautiful island of Haiti. And mm. uh, growing up, um, you know, also Catholic, never really had conversations about sex, never really had conversations even around just like healthy relationships, those like basics that you need. And so uh, I also went to Catholic school from third grade to 12th grade. And so it was just like piling, piling, piling on. And I feel like the identity that a lot of immigrant kids have is like, we don't have these types of conversations. So um, I got to 12th grade and I feel like 12th grade was my like culminating point for kind of where I am now. Mm -hmm. Um, 12th grade was where we had this class called morality and morality is the class that you basically have to take before you go to college. And I think their main goal for morality is to make sure you don't have sex in college. Wow. And so, <laughs> so in morality, we had a nurse and I'm making air quotes come in. And the <laughs> nurse said, um, you know, she was like, you're not, you know, any couples that use contraception or birth control, um, you know, are going to break up within five years couples who use condoms they're going to break up within five years and condoms don't work and they'll break and so everything for some reason was like weirdly focused on this five-year mark and Mm. I was like all right 
cool. Okay. I don't want to, don't want to use condoms. Don't want to use birth control. All right. Good to know. So I'm in the front. I'm taking notes and I get to college the next year and I beat my, my a friend now husband. Um, and we're walking across the quad and I'll never forget it. We were just talking cause we were just friends at the time. So I was like, you know what, when I have sex, I'm never using condoms. I'm never using birth control. And he's like, what, wait, 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 what are you talking about? Oh like, my gosh. This is, this is fact. Like, what do you, don't you know? Like, I'm, ve- I'm like very confident in what I'm saying. And I'm like, I just don't want to break up with my person and like couples. And I'm just repeating back all of the, this misinformation. And, you know, coming from where he was from, where he, you know, both of his parents had him young, his parents were very open with him about, you know, sex and, you know, their sexual health and using condoms and, Mm. you know, just having these conversations with him. We were coming from just two different worlds and the look on his face, he was like, don't you know that there's like STDs out there and like pregnancy? Like, what are you talking about? And it just never occurred to me. Like, like that day is when like I guess all the stars aligned everything I was like wait what do you I don't want to wait diseases wait infections wait what what like everything HIV like what are you talking about like no clue no no freaking idea and so I mean I have the language now like hindsight now and um, you know, that kind of just set me up that day. I was just like set on fire because I, I felt like somebody lied to me. I was like, oh my oh. gosh, I've been walking around for so long, not knowing these things, like something really bad like could have happened. I could have made decisions that could have affected me. Like what, why didn't anyone give me these tools? And so that day I like joined every single student group you could think of, every single group that was about sex, started reading up on everything I could put my hands on and basically became like known as the condom girl on campus because I was like, other people need to know this stuff. Like other people need, we need to be having these conversations. And I just like put up all, started doing all these events on my campus and, you know, just really putting myself out there and really just trying to educate my peers because I was like, well, if that could happen to me, that. That's, I know that's somebody else's reality. And so um, once, I, you know, once college was over and just fast forward to now in the work that I've been doing, I've just been immersing myself and, you know, every position that I've taken has been around, you know, sexual health and, you know, helping people, helping, you know, people learn and train them and educate them. And what happened around like 2013 um, in my work, I just started noticing that there weren't any safe spaces for black women, women of color to come together and share just their experiences. Just, and what I realized when it came to sexual health, we talked to our doctors, we very much like talked to our gynecologists about certain things, but when it comes to like, oh my gosh, I'm having painful sex or, oh my gosh, is anyone experiencing this thing? Or, oh my gosh, I had this really amazing experience. Has anyone experienced this? There were really no spaces that I found where people could be, feel safe, where they could feel like they weren't being judged, where they could just be open. And so what I started doing in 2013 was just kind of opening up my house to like girlfriends, their friends started coming and I would just put on like different workshops. And one of the workshops that, you know, I started with all the time and which is like one of my most popular workshops is Vag one-on-one where we just, just look at pictures essentially and like Mm. see the diversity of different vulvas and like just learn about the body parts that we had because I honestly believed and I still do believe that when someone knows about their parts, they are engaged with their parts, they are loving their parts, they, you know, they know their parts, they're more likely to take care of them and they're more likely to bring pleasure to them and they're more likely to keep them healthy. And so I wanted to formulate that, that environment and Vagistine workshop started just outgrowing my home where I started needing <laughs> space. Um, and then my husband would come home and it would be like two o'clock in the morning and just be like 20 women sitting in the living room. And he's like, okay, um, I, when are they going home? You know? And so, <laughs> um, so that kind of evolved until like, I was, you know, hosting workshops, 
you know, takes a lot of work and a lot of moving parts. And so, you know, started really outgrowing, you know, the spaces that I was hosting the workshop. So I then decided, you know what, maybe I'll take this, you know, to podcasting. I love podcasts. You know, maybe this is a platform where I can continue having these courageous conversations, teaching people about their sexual health, talking about sex in this non-judgmental and open way, and really just letting people just like be themselves and see themselves as well, which is so important to me because I feel like the visibility for Black women, women of color and their sexual health is not really um, mainstream. And so I, that's, I really take a lot of care um, in trying to cultivate that and really make sure that, you know, people really see themselves and hear themselves. So that's a long answer to, uh, <laughs> wow. to who I am and what and how I got engaged in my work. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. I am obsessed. I like have a thousand questions. <laughs> okay. So wait, no first things first, this like quote yes. unquote nurse, yes. um, <laughs> she just like not teach y'all about STIs or like what? Like, was it such, was it abstinence-only education? Like, what happened there? That's so funny um, and such a good question. It was literally just, like, one day in this class, this nurse came in, and she just started off with that. She was basically like, y'all are going to have experiences. You guys are going to go off to college. This is what you need to know. Birth control doesn't work. Now, mind you, it's not even like we had Mm. a primer, right? So all through high school, we never had sex ed. So I think at that point, I would have even taken some abstinence only, but we had nothing, nothing at all. So we had no anatomy, no consent, no healthy relationships, no, you know, none of the other things that you need that, you know, because sex is such a small part of the equation, like the act of sex, but like the confidence, the body positivity, all of these aspects were not ever brought up and then it's like boom 12th grade here's what you need to know Mm -hmm. and the other thing at my high school we had to participate in the right to life march which for the folks out there who don't know it is a march that's held every year in washington where folks basically march to get um roe v wade the basically the law that says that folks can have abortions legally and safely in the united states they want that overturned so they've been marching for the last i don't know 30 something years. And so it was always a requirement once I got to ninth grade. So it was 40% of your religion grade. Uh, And if you didn't participate, Mm. you know, of course, like that brings your grade down. Um, But I was just thinking about it the other day. All of that was so irresponsible, right? Like, I mean, we know it's irresponsible because of everything that I said and not having any of the knowledge. But when I think about being a ninth grader, and being told abortion is wrong and not even really having a grasp on what pregnancy, what abortion, Mm. like what any of that stuff is, all of that is so irresponsible where you're basically, I don't want to say, I guess brainwashing is the word. You're basically making, making these cult soldiers for your cause without even giving them all of the information. So I don't even know if I even knew what abortion was and you know ninth grade tenth grade I just knew that it was not we weren't supposed to be having them and the people that have them are bad you know and it's it I I just can't believe that we indoctrinate people in, in those types of ways and then you speed up to 12th grade where this quote-unquote nurse comes and you're just like further indoctrinated without asking any questions without even having like the basics to be able to really understand what you're saying no or yes to or what you're even learning really. It's so wild to think that, you know, of course you couldn't really understand what an abortion is, let alone the emotional (laughs) and spiritual complications of one. Yeah. When you don't even understand what like sex or pregnancy is. Right. (laughs) (laughs) In what world, man? That's wild. And it's just so important that young folks have access to (laughs) sex positive 
medically accurate sex education. And for our listeners in the United States, most states in America do not require that. So they can literally yeah. tell these kids whatever they want. And I've had clients come to me thinking like, just really depressing stuff like that they only have one hole or that you can get pregnant from like hand jobs and it's just oh my god the things they can tell these young people yeah there was like I think I was reading an article where um where um like drinking bleach perhaps Mm. was a or like bathing in the bathing in the pool afterwards the bleach may help you you know not become pregnant and it's so it's just so harmful. And I think I, it makes me, it it makes me upset because I'm just thinking about the personal responsibility that, you know, we as adults have to young people and to just let young people just be out there just aimlessly walking around. But yet when they make quote unquote poor choices or choices that you don't think are so savory, then it's, Oh, they should have known better. Well, when, who and how did they get the tools to do this? And then we grow up into adults who further don't have the tools and the language to handle any of these things. So it's just a constant cycle. And then those people grow into parents who then don't want to talk to their kids. So it's just like a disastrous cycle um, when you have all of these things and no one's talking or no one's giving any truth and, you know, no one's seeking beyond themselves. Um, in these types of environments. It's so true. And I definitely uh, want to hear more about your work with young folks, but I have to pivot and backtrack for a minute because I don't want to pass over that enormous and important portion right in the middle. I'm just like, I'm just brimming with questions for you. (laughs) But how you were sort of talking a little bit about the different experience that women of color have in terms of pleasure, uh, body Mm -hmm. literacy, sex education, Mm -hmm. and and communication around those things. I'm wondering like particularly... Hmm. How do I want to phrase this? I I think representation is so important in Mm -hmm. the space of sex positivity and body confidence. And I definitely urge our listeners to check out Vanessa's website, do her courses. Another great one for in-person courses for our listeners. Thank you. Pamela Samuelson does a take back the speculum event that people might also be interested in. And there's the destroyer of all shame where everyone there who has a vulva gives a little tour of their vulva to everyone, which is wonderful. But yes. And which I've been to, and I will say now in reflection, I'm also realizing it was a very, it wasn't a very white space, but it was a very non-black space. Like there are a few women <laughs> of color, but there wasn't a single black woman there now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Um, and as a white person who works as a sexuality doula, I try to do as much like research and education as I can. And I will say that it's the minority of my clients that are black and women of color. Mm-hmm. And I, it must just be such a different experience that white listeners can't really understand. But, and I know you can't speak on behalf of all black women, of course, Of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm wondering like, what, what could you speak to in terms of the different experience? So I think that, so, so the reason why I, and this is such a great question. Thank you for asking. Um, I think the reason why I, of course, focus on Black women, I am, I am a Black woman, um, but I think the way that I, I, I see the scope of the field or the way that you even see sex in the mainstream, when you mm. think about movies, for instance, and this is a really cheesy example, but when you think about movies like Fifty Shades of Grey, right? Mm-hmm. There are Fifty Shades of Grey uh, book clubs and written like all the ladies are going to see Fifty Shades of Grey and it's like okay like that's fine like the mainstream the mainstream sexual being that we see or a person that we see that's exploring kink for instance mm-hmm. is, a, is a white woman and so it, it didn't really like I feel like Fifty Shades of Grey was like it was scandalous but it wasn't like to the point where it was like oh man that's crazy I ain't never seen a white woman into that kind of stuff it just became so like oh of course because white people are able to show up in so many different ways so like 
the I, the way I like to think about even on my podcast, I like to have listeners send in voice memos and voice recordings so that they're really a part, like, so they're a part of the conversation and, you know, contribute their voices. And like, when I think about, um, when I think about the experiences that they're sharing, a lot of them are hesitant to share, or like, they'll send me a DM and be like, I want to share, but like, I have implications for my job. Mm -hmm. I have implications for so-and-so finds out. And we can't be our full selves in certain spaces because sometimes it's looked down upon or it's still so scandalous or it's not mainstream enough for us. It becomes this whole like, Oh damn, I'm still further shamed and still further put in this box. And this still, this thing is still taboo when we have, you know, magazines that Cosmo, I like to also think about as well. Mm -hmm very when you flip through the pages of Cosmo there's not a lot of women of color on those pages and it is I like to say Cosmo is about like 90% sex articles <laughs> and if someone saw Cosmo it wouldn't no one would blink twice but like where's the Cosmo for women of color where's the Cosmo for black women who want to share their you know kinky stories or their mm -hmm. sexcapades without any type of repercussion from quote unquote mainstream or work or my professional life and how that's a hindrance. Um, I think also another example of where this really showed up was I wanted to do an episode on people sharing their herpes or STI diagnosis just to like have just a perspective on like this is what dating is like. This is how I'm, you know, dealing with this on a daily basis. This is how I'm sharing with others. This is how I'm still building my badge esteem um, and still willing, still being, you know, sexy and open, even with, you know, a diagnosis that some people may see as very like, oh, like, what is that? And so when I put out a call for like getting guests um, to talk about it and getting people to share their experiences, even though it's an anonymous platform, even though it's, you know, you can, you know, I can alter your voice it was still very much like, oh my gosh, you want me to put myself out there like that? No, I've never seen anybody else do that. What do you, where, mm. what, what do you mean? And there were, when I was trying to even find like an expert to talk about, expert to talk about it on the podcast, when you Google search like young woman, you know, STI diagnosis, a lot of the popular blogs or the folks that were being vocal about it all all of them were white women. And I started thinking like, is this because, is this because this is so mainstream and it doesn't matter because like they could probably quit their jobs and have no implications for, you know, their, to their professional career and then be a consultant and people will pay them to speak. And it's no big deal if, you know, they're found out or, you know, they're like, what, how are the implications different um, when, you know, when we don't have a lane for, for things. And so I, I am very conscious about the types of images that I post. I'm very conscious about the guests that I have on my podcast, because I want women of color to hear themselves. I want, I want black women to hear themselves. I want them to hear their experiences. I want them to know like, oh my God, that person's into Oh, butt stuff wow I thought I was the only one I'm into butt stuff too and and I feel like there's sometimes a lot of like oh my god I didn't know black people were into that yes we are into polyamory yes we are you know asexual yes we are these things but we don't have the mainstream platforms or we don't have the followings that other you know folks do in order to elevate those voices and so I feel like part of my job is is elevating voices because I do want people to see, you know, a diversity of folks when it comes to talking about certain topics. And I want, and like you said, representation does matter. It may seem minor for a lot of things, but like when you walk into a room and you see yourself or you feel yourself or you, you know, hear somebody who, you know, has the same tonation as vo of voice as you, like it matters. 
and it makes you feel more comfortable and it and it makes you feel like oh wow like okay I'm seen here and so that's why the representation you know matters for me um and and my platform as well To all our Sex Magic Podcast lovers, we are so excited to share with you our collaboration with Audible. For all our listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. And hit us up if you need a few book recs. You can DM us on Instagram or send us an email. What are you going to listen to? To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash sexmagicpodcast. Oh, wow. I'm like tearing up over here. That's so beautiful. And (laughs) it is just like so important. I think a lot of white folk don't really understand because they don't really make, I mean, I'm not trying to be a dick, but I don't feel like they make (laughs) enough of an effort. Um, and I've certainly been guilty of that in the past and, and through my work as being a birth doula, I really saw firsthand the way white women versus any type of like brown woman, woman of color versus black women were treated extremely differently by Mm -hmm. the medical professionals and like their pain was diminished. It was just really, really heartbreaking. So I hope that any, you know, white person listening is considering how important this is. And also like consider what sources of information you get, because if you're white and say you get a lot of your sex education or your sex positivity photos and videos off of Instagram are they all from other white people yeah and it's, and you know and it's funny because when I was one of the hallmarks of one of my some of my workshops is to ensure that I have like um varying bodies and I have like mm. different vulvas and just even trying to find pictures of naked black women that's not pornographic (laughs) like simple things like that is very it it takes it takes time like and and now that's what I'll say it's I'm not gonna not gonna put the very difficult um label on there because that's how a lot of people get out of like doing the work you're like it was just so difficult I gave up no it just it just takes a lot of digging and googles and asking and trying to see where other people get their stuff from but like even when we think about anatomy posters when we think about anatomy um if you use flesh um props yeah. or fleshy props even finding them in like a, 50 a shades of beige view, right <laughs> there you go right it's it's a little bit it it, it takes time and you it is funny because on different forums that I'm on, like once one person discovers that there's anatomy poster that has like a, a, a brown shade, people are like, where did you get it? How much is it? Where can I get it? <laughs> like we jump on it because you want an audience to feel like, oh, wow, like these parts belong to me. And it's always surprising to folks when I tell folks like vulva, like uh, vulvas, labias come in all different hues like from pink to dark browns to purples and people are like wait what yeah and then when people are like looking at porn and it's like you know just pink you know pink labias and pink pussies it's like oh oh my god like mine doesn't look that way like the first time I told (laughs) I told a woman she was in my workshop she was probably 40 like in her 40s had three children and I told her, your labia can be brown. They can be a dark hue, very dark. It could be a fleshy purple. The look, like she nearly cried. She was like, mm. I thought something was wrong with me. You know, like just little, like we, we don't think about it because, you know, as teachers, as, you know, educators, as people who are teaching others, you're like, oh, it doesn't matter what I'm using. Like you get the idea, just apply it to your body. Mm. But to, for people to, people don't always apply. It's not, it's not that, it's not always that way or that easy for people. Some people need it to be very, um, you know, like they need to see it. And so she was like, I thought like I had a tumor. I thought like 
something was wrong with my coloring. I didn't realize this was what my body was supposed to look like. And it's, it's like, you know, on the one hand, it's like, what? But then on the other hand, it's like, well, where would she have gotten that information? If you're looking at mainstream porn, mainstream porn has a lot of white women in it. If you're looking at magazines, if you're looking at your textbooks, even your medical textbooks, if you're looking at illustrations even of anatomy, they're all white. So like, Mm -hmm. how was I supposed to know, you know, that, you know, they have a, there's a shade diversity, (laughs) even in our, you know, even in our labia, even in our, our, our vulvas. And so those little things are really actually big things. I couldn't agree more. And I feel like Mm -hmm. representation of every type of vulva is so important. And like big clits, little clits, like everything, you know, inner labia, outer labia. And I imagine like, well, in my work, I've really seen how much representation can improve someone's confidence because you think like you understand that that's normal. That's key to see. And you know, I'm wondering with your Vag Esteem course, mm-hmm. how much does like, <laughs> like what other ways other than representation do you help people really build up that like genital confidence energy? Yeah. As opposed to like yeah, big dick energy. <laughs> oh my gosh. I am, first of all, I'm just loving these questions. Number one, I'm loving this conversation. So thank you. Um, <laughs> two, uh, it's funny you say that because I have a shirt called Big Clit Energy. Um, oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and so folks can, folks can get their Big Clit Energy shirts. But um, so besides the, the photos, I really encourage, and again, very basic, but very important. I always encourage folks to look at their parts and so I think one seeing the seeing the um the the photos is important because I've had so many people be like oh my gosh like look how big her clit is mm-hmm. oh. like I didn't even you know some people just don't know because again what mainstream the things that you see everything's very tiny petite and fits easily in the box um so I always encourage you know folks to look, take a look, like go home and you'll be surprised how many people have never seen their own vulvas before. Um, it's, it's a lot like we, and, and it's, and I don't put that on a neg in on, on a negative way because I think for, I think for people with penises, they're very much acquainted with that penis because they got to hold it. They got to shake it when they go to the bathroom. They, if they were boxers, they got to like adjust it. Like there's a lot of interaction with um with the penis because it's just hanging out there whereas like the vulva you really need to like crouch down get a mirror take a look and really examine what's happening and so that's always my number one you gotta look at it it is yours you can't have other people look at it if you're not willing to look at it and I always tell folks like even if you're even if you're like yeah because you know your vagina might be a little bit low you might be a little freaked out fine, look at it at least for your health because you need to know what it looks like baseline. So in case anything happens, you know, so you can at least describe it and be like, actually, that's never been like that before. Actually, I've never had that discharge before. Whatever it is, you're able to help yourself. Um, We always end up, um, it depends on the different activities. So we sometimes build different models we may do a lot of exploration, just talking about the um, kind of the ideas that we have been, you know, brought up with. Like, why do we feel icky, or why do we feel this way, or whatever the expression is that we has that someone associates with their vulva? I like to dig into the why. What what messages that we that we were have we received growing up? And for a lot of my participants, it's it's I think and I think it's for a lot of people with vaginas like it's just there don't touch it because you're not supposed to bring it pleasure when you're young you're not supposed to masturbate and you're not supposed to do anything until you're married and you have someone put your penis in you and then a baby comes out of there like I feel like a lot of people don't have a connection to that part until 
you know, until later in life or until someone empowers them to get a vibrator. And I really want to encourage people to build that connection now because this, the, these parts that we have are such a great source of pleasure. They're our parts. Um, and they do so much more than, you know, just like bleed every month. So, yes. So, Fuck so yes. Like, yeah. I think like a lot of people are just like, oh, my period again. Like they don't think about like, wow, my uterus actually has a role in having a great orgasm as well. Or like, wow, like the discharge that I have is actually a gift and that this gift is telling me that everything, all systems go in my vagina. Like everything is cool here. And when this, and when that, you know, messenger is like, actually there's an infection here. We get, we get an instant alert that we have an infection. Like our bodies are so wonderful and so amazing and they know what they're doing. And I think we need to embrace that more and, you know, really build up that vagusim and have that big clit energy. I'm obsessed. And <laughs> I feel like I was going to ask you a question, but you I kind of already answered it. But I was because <laughs> I was wondering, like, the vagistine is so important. And I think this sort of ties into our conversation earlier about race in terms of representation. Because, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think we do have some male listeners and they'll often say things like, oh, like, how could this relate to me? And it's like, yeah. this, this all can relate to you too, but it's really important that we focus on people that don't generally have access to this information, which is people yeah. with vulvas. But I'm also right. wondering, like, I feel like your answer really covered it, but just in case there's anything specifically you wanted to say, I was wondering how this kind of idea of genital confidence would translate for folks who perhaps um, are intersex or have like non-conforming genitals. Like, cause the, I think representation again, super important, being able to witness yourself, super important, but I just, it felt like you kind of went into that, but I just wanted to give you a little space in case there's anything in particular those folks could do. No, I really appreciate that. So it's it's funny interest it's funny slash interesting. Uh, <laughs> I was I I um put on a workshop in Atlanta for a conference and I um I had a person in there who was like, Hey, I'm I'm intersex and I'm here because I want my, I want to help my partner become more confident with, Mm. with my body. Right. Um, And the thing is, is that it's, it's, it's so interesting. And to be fully transparent, when I was starting Vagisteam, like the question became like, who are you catering this to? Are you catering to women? Or are you catering? Like, what if, what if a trans person shows up? What if Mm -hmm. this, what if that? And I was like, at first I didn't know, like in the early days, I was like, well, I mean, everyone who comes here is a woman. And, you know, then I'll always get the, well, what if a man shows up? And then finally I got the language for it. And and where I'm at is if you have a vagina that you want to build a relationship with, by all means, come to this workshop. I don't care what your gender is. I care that you want to build confidence, the confidence of and in your vulva and vagina. Like, Mm. I want you to come. And so having this intersex person in my workshop being like, look, I'm cool with what I have. I want to learn more about, you know, my parts so that I can like give these words to my, you know, words of affirmation to my partner. I mean, for me, one, that was like such a moment, like full circle moment where I was like, the, like how I'm talking about these workshops is going the way that I wanted to, because this person was like, didn't think like, oh, this is for women or this is for men or this is for whoever. Like they were just like, oh, all right, I want to build some confidence. I'm going <laughs> it just meant so much. It just meant so much. I mean, that person will probably never know, but it meant so much for me at that moment to be like, oh my gosh. Yes, I'm glad that, you know, folks with all, you know, all types of, you know, bodies are showing up um, to this workshop. And so, again, same thing, just showing, I make sure that, like, when I say I post up pictures, I am posting pictures of folks who have, you know, who still have, might look like they have a Volvo on the outside, but have, like, a really large clit, um, really large lips so that I'm encompassing um, the intersex community as well. And 
I think, I think for the way that, the way that we, the way that I like to, you know, make sure that we're framing everything is that I like to make sure that I'm, you know, staying away from gendered language. I'm just focusing on the parts and I'm focusing on the relationships that, you know, I want folks to have to their parts. And so we do a lot of affirmations. We do, of course, like a lot of like our, our word association. We do a lot of just making sure that we are, you know, undoing I like to do a lot of like undoing the shame type of work because I feel that a lot of what we grow up with especially just in our mainstream society is that we praise dicks all the time they're drawn everywhere we're just very familiar with penises (laughs) when it comes to no matter what anatomy classes I hold and I have folks label you know internal and external um, you know, female anatomy, it's like, I don't know, wait, I didn't know. Then, of course, there's always a person that's like, I didn't know that there was a separate pee hole. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, like, and it's just, it's just that our familiar, our, 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 our confidence of in and like the familiar, familiarity that we have uh, with, you know, vaginas involved is just not, and the inner workings uterus the fallopian tubes the ovaries like they're it's just not there um and so I definitely try and just like take it at a 100 level approach with folks so that they're you know building up their learning and they're just learning about you know what do all these things do and why are they here and why is this super annoying at times but how can this also be helpful and really not seeing their body as a barrier but as as, as a powerful as a as a powerful tool Mm, that is beautiful switching (laughs) gears for a bit I'm wondering and no of course is a perfectly acceptable answer not all our guests do but I'm wondering so we are the sex magic podcast and I'm wondering (laughs) if you have any personal relationship to sex magic or magic in general ah I don't have I don't have a personal relationship but I've been learning more about sex magic so I um a group that I follow called Afrosexology they do a lot on um sex magic so I'm familiar with it I love the practice but I don't practice it on my own so tell me more Isabella No, that's totally fine. Like not all our guests like do. I'm always just curious because sometimes people <laughs> really surprise me and I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> yes, I am familiar. Well, can I give you my, my definition and you can tell me like yeah. if I'm... So I view sex magic as using your natural, um, your natural sexual energy to manifest something in your life like whether that's manifesting like good emotions or like confidence and you use that natural energy that you have within your body through orgasm I would say or through other feel-good feelings uh yeah that's that's totally a type of sex magic like people get (laughs) kind of like boxed in I feel on the definition of sex magic Mm -hmm. and to to me it's like I think of magic as our ability to shift our consciousness and I Mm. think with sex like so many people and I'm sure you're like over familiar with this but like so many people have such a limited definition of sex as like penis and vagina and it can be yes. a trillion other things and to me like I can have sex with a peach by just eating it really slowly and savoring all the juices mm, so I, I can love it. <laughs> I could like engage in sex magic by just eating a peach if my intention is to bring more sweetness into my life and I eat it more slowly mm. and sensually. Oh, I like that. I'm gonna do that. I like it. <laughs> I could just really see how much like you could in, like pra- like explore some sex magic practices to kind of explode yeah. this like vagisteam for people. Yes, I love it. Yes. Like working with um goddesses and patrons, saints and stuff can be oh, a really oh. nice way. Like I work with uh, Aphrodite a lot because I'm a Libra and so I'm ruled by Venus. Oh. 
she's the goddess of pleasure. So there's just like so many amazing intersections, I think, between the work you're doing and sex magic. Yes. And it's magical that you're transforming people's relationships to their genitals. Like that's sex magic. (laughs) Like you alchemize (laughs) their relationship to their genitals. I'm going to add that to my Instagram. Thank you, God. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really love that suggestion. Thank you so much. Yes, I can totally see that. And you're right. It's the intentionality of how we're, you know, doing things and looking at ourselves. And I thank you. Thank you for that. My pleasure. Well, I feel like I could talk to you all day and I literally have like six <laughs> questions I didn't even get to. So we'll have to, we'll have to have you back on for another episode, but I would absolutely love to. This is yeah. so fun and so insightful. And I loved it. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. So we always close the podcast with a specific question and I'm so excited to hear your answer. Oh boy. If- <laughs> If you could give yourself, your younger self, one piece of advice about sex, what would it be? Oh, I would say don't be afraid to explore. Um, And I, I say that because I, like up until the last, I would say less, I don't know, eight years, like five, I would say five to eight years. I can't remember exactly. I never masturbated. And it sounds, it sounds like, oh my God, how, but I think that we underestimate the lessons, the shameful lessons that we learn Um, and I think that's why I'm just so into the work that I'm doing. I'm so into like teaching people because walking around with shame or doubt or fear is so powerful. It keeps you from doing literal normal things at times. And so again, going back to my background, I, um, you know, we were taught like you don't waste the seed. You do not touch your body. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You don't touch your body in that way. And I was like, okay, these are the laws. These are the rules. I'm not going to do it. And it has taken some time to undo that and really strip away and really like through affirmations, through self-talk, through just like really just sitting with myself and being like, this is not bad. This is not bad. This is not bad. This is your body. You are doing something fine with your body. You are bringing your body pleasure. What is wrong with that? And I think what gets twisted in that message and when you tell people they can't touch themselves or they can't, you know, whatever, it we give them the permission for other people to touch us without without opening that door to ourselves first. And so I, you know, I think I would definitely tell myself that undo that shame don't listen to those people and explore yourself and explore others more because I also Mm. didn't I didn't really have a lot of other like sexual experiences in like high school and college because I was like "Ah, babies ah," like (laughs) and just like going to hell and like all of these different like things when no like if we if we want to see it from say that you want to see it from a religious perspective if this is an if this is a loving god then why would god hate you for like feeling pleasure why would god hate you or condemn you for touching yourself and and touching the the most beautiful gift that you that that you have which is yourself like and so yeah i would i i think i would tell myself to explore explore myself and explore others more safely uh (laughs) but yeah oh beautiful oh you heard it here first folks it's time to return to yourself and your body and the source of everything which is pleasure yes I love it (laughs) thank you so much (laughs) for coming and talking to us today Vanessa it's so amazing Thank you, Isabella. It was so great. Can't wait to talk with you some more and can't wait to see what you all do next. Awesome. Thank you so much.
Hey there, Tosca here. So I wanted to take a quick moment to share with you all about how you can support the Sex Magic Podcast. If you haven't already, you should follow us on Instagram. We also have a Facebook page. Pretty much everything is under Sex Magic Podcast. You can also find us at sexmagicpodcast.com and we have all of our links there. But most importantly, we recently launched our Patreon and it's really important to support us because our collective of co-hosts offers a diverse perspective on sex and magic. Though we each come from various backgrounds and cultures, our unifying passion is to empower and explore sexuality, spirit, and the occult in a safe and approachable environment. Each week, we offer a new episode on a fresh subject in the realm of spirituality and sexuality. We interview a variety of guests, from authors to psychologists to witches and beyond. We strive to share content that is educational, inspirational, and mystical. So join us on our journey through sex magic by supporting the work we do. Every dollar goes towards propelling us forward and will allow us to continue creating podcasts. By supporting our podcast, you'll join our community and be part of the conversation. Our Patreon patrons will gain access to various resources, rituals, recipes, and behind-the-scenes access. With more funding for our Sex Magic podcast, Coven can dedicate more time to crafting sacred offerings to our supporters, sex magic courses, videos, spell books, and we really would love for you to be part of our sexy little coven. So I also wanted to take a moment to shout out a few of the patrons we have so far. Shout out to Melina Beatrice and to... Meredith Andrews, thank you so, so much. And also a shout out to my boyfriend and to my mom. Thanks y'all for supporting. means a lot. (laughs) So follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, our website, and support us on Patreon. We love you and we want to continue offering these amazing podcast episodes and we're so grateful to do that and have your support. 